0: Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is living inside your story, connecting to your characters and fiction. So this this topic sounds just awesome, amazing to me. But uh, before we get to it, let's just talk real quickly about what we did this week.
1: Okay, um, it's it's been a very good week, and in in the fashion of all of my weeks lately, it's been weird. So um, I got the lesson done for how to write a novel, and I'm very happy with what I got and it's up. and uh, I got my scene from Dead Man's Party and uh, you know, cannibals and um, a zombie and this is a post-apocalyptic. and now now my muse has insisted that it's going to have to be in the in the tone or in the the, manner of Terry Pratchett or Douglas Adams
0: that yeah, you mentioned that last week.
1: Yeah so so it has been kind of kind of all over the place but my muse is a dick. I'm just letting you know this right now um, because my muse also said you know what We're doing that one thing and then we're reading stuff and doing our noting for Emerald Sun um, but we have five. Patreon, hours of writing fiction a week, five. And you, you are not happy, says my muse, that you're not getting enough actual writing done because you're doing all of this backstory and all of this trying. It says, how about we add a third book to the mix each week? <laughs> so my muse wants to write the Wishbone Conspiracy now, along with doing the backstorying and the and the picking up the pieces from a series that I haven't read,
0: even read, in, what, 12, 12 14 years, some, some. No, oh, again, for the, for the, for the Emerald Sun you're talking about? Yeah. No, because you were going to do a class and use that as a book, and I remember you were reading at least Ruby Key, mm-hmm. um, so I remember that was about six, seven years ago.
1: Yeah, but, okay, so, but I haven't read the the Wishbone the Emerald The sun Silver name. Door. Silver, right, the Silver Door. I haven't read The Silver Door in, in <laughs> too many books. Since I wrote it. So, wow. Yeah. So so there is a lot of digging through and finding things and trying to find the story to tell with that, which, um, oh, but I did do. Yeah, the Octopus Map. Thank you. Yes, yes. Mine is going blank today. <clears throat> Still a little early. Uh, I haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> so yes my my uh octopus map for it and i understand now the direction i have to take the story the basic overall story i need to tell but now i have to find the pieces from the first two books to tie in to make that third story live. so anyway three books a week uh i'm going to do one day of dead man's party because you know 1515 words are better and i'm doing those on video and that's all coming together very nicely but then two days of researching and backgrounding and, and then two days of actually writing Wishbone Conspiracy because I have the first chapter of that
0: already written and I know where that's going. And just so people know, wish, the wishbone, wishbone Conspiracy is um, part of the settled world space and this is getting back to Caden Drake.
1: Yes, this is the third actual Caden Drake novel. And it's been way longer than I had anticipated. And I am looking at the possibility of doing one of these a year until I finish the series. And I'm looking at the series as 10 books. And if I could do it faster than that, I might do that too.
0: God, I love Katie. I'm just surprised that you would stop at 10 and not just keep it going. Well, I have other stuff that I want to write in settled
1: space. I've got all of that Bailey's Irish Station stuff. That's true. And I have the city of Furies, and there are uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and yeah, I, there's
0: there's an infinite amount when you're in settled space. There's an infinite amount of stories that you can tell. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, and you know, I want I want Kathy to get now. You know, if if I do a ten book series with her, and then I come up with a different direction, I could do that too. But I have I have this series, kind of you know, I know where I want to go with this and it takes yeah. 10 books.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's great. That's yeah. that's 10 an extra 7 books that, you know, we, I can look forward to and I know I've got some friends that are enjoying it. So cool. cool. And I'm I'm seriously, I'm going to see I I want to get this done.
1: I want I want to yeah. finish this story, this this big whole big arc
0: yeah. that she has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Anyway, that's me.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, okay. How about you? Um, well, I had a really good week, too. I um, got back to writing the second book in the Wanda Lucia series, and um, I felt really bad at first because I didn't hit my deadline of you know finishing it by December 31st the first draft and being able to say that I had finished two books in 2019 like that was or 2018 that was just this this kind of really cool goal but um at the same time that doesn't really matter so much right what matters is still getting the words on paper or on page and still you know, getting the book done. It would have been nice to hit that, you know, goal. But okay, I didn't get it. So what am I going to do about it? <laughs> right, right. But you yeah. did
1: so many other things in the same year.
0: Yeah. And that was another thing too. I, I made the goal because I had originally felt like I didn't do enough. And I didn't achieve enough in that year. And then going back and doing a 2018 kind of review in my head, looking at all of the different projects that I had accomplished, all of the different um, art pieces, or, you know, we started the podcast and there's um, the book that I finished and actually submitted to a publisher. Right. And, you know, there, there's so many different things that I actually achieved in 2018 that I am 100% okay with not having achieved, you know, finishing a second first draft. I mean, even just looking at the time that I spent with, with Tony, with the fact that I lost 50 pounds, just endlessly 2018, despite its downs, um, is is a much appreciated and a year and a year of growth for me so uh yeah it when you put yourself out there on a a kind of public forum and say I want to achieve this goal um it does kind of suck if you don't get it done Mm -hmm. but I'm not the type of person to harp on that or to stick on the fact that you know a bunch of people saw me not achieve the goal so I feel really happy that I'm not quite that kind of person I've got so many other things that that I ruminate on and I get stuck on in my <laughs> head I don't need an additional thing yeah I don't need that but yeah but it, again it, it would have been cool just to have you know ah, I, I wrote two books in 2018 yes but I can do that this year right if I want Right. So. Yeah.
1: That's and by that's part of my thing is I'm going to make them a little shorter, so that I yeah. can actually do them in a more reasonable amount of time. Because a hundred and fifty thousand word book or hundred and twenty thousand war paint. You were always enormous. shooting for
0: oh yeah for about a hundred thousand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And seriously, um, for the kind of of. Uh, Stories that I want to tell for the rest of the Caden Strake knockable I or for the rest of the Caden Drake series, I think I could probably do those in maybe sixty thousand words, and have them be tight and and occasionally funny and uh, frequently gross, uh, is is my yeah. want. Well, that's <laughs>
0: and, that's going back through uh, hunting the Corgan's blood. I forgot. I always forget how gruesome it is because you go in there and like <laughs> even the first scene, it's really very gross like the different details and stuff it's like and then you know there's another scene in there not up yours but it was like uh smith bright Mm -hmm. world there's a scene in in that particular world that i was like wow okay yeah mom's pretty vicious so (laughs) but yeah so i got my words every single day since i started i was getting my word counts um more than which is great yeah uh i had started off not knowing exactly where I needed to go because of the issue I talked about last week that there was this um that I took the book in the wrong direction for about 12,000 words and it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a direction where I could do use your first initial thing which was okay we'll just go back through look at those chapters write down what they were supposed to be and go from there the problem is when I hit a depression I I took the book in a new direction because it was something that I could write it was something new and my muse was playing with it and it was like I gave her something shiny and that was it and I veered off track so much so that none of the chapters in there even remotely um tied in to the the story it it was sort of it was like your redheaded vixen that might friend Brian just is dying to read about oh, but bitch it's yeah <laughs> and i had my own little redheaded vixen in this um tall sexy african american bulky dude that was like that that was um kind of hitting on Angie and it just went all the it went like way out of i was like paul dude dial it back <laughs> we 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 got to chop you out or something so <laughs> He his stuff I might use for another one or I might not he might not be the person I was thinking he was I don't know so I'm taking him uh, all of those out and basically I'm starting back from about twenty thousand but now I I don't even know where the hell I am it's it's twenty four or twenty five thousand words now and I've got it so my goal is to finish it hopefully by the end of January um, just so I could I could get. February and March to edit it Mm -hmm. or to revise it and then I'll have book two hopefully I'll hear back from Harlequin one way or another whether or not they're going to publish it and then I'll go from there right but yeah so that was that was my week and are we ready to get back to the to the topic
1: yeah I think so so let me just start with with a simple statement here and then I want you to, to us to just kind of bounce this back and forth off of each other writing fiction changes the way you look at yourself. Um disaster, tragedy, dumbass moves, <laughs> all of the things in your life that you do right, that you do wrong, that you um that that you do yeah. becomes fodder for your story. Um and I have a couple of basic stories about this, but I
0: really, you know, if you Well, yeah. I mean, it I can see why people think that it's or feel that it's partially therapy, because when you are writing about these things that have happened to you, even if you've changed them a lot, um, you you tend to get this bird's eye view in a way. This kind of, uh, at least for me, it it's almost like I'm even up in up in the space or something. It's it's a weird way to look at it, but it you get the idea of a grander picture, and you kind of can feel better about some of the things that have happened in a way um especially if it's stuff that you have (laughs) using this this word again ruminated (laughs) on um when you put it on page it seems to give you this kind of feeling of you know depending on what it is there's justification for for what you're writing so you feel maybe vindicated you feel like justice has been done in a way you feel like okay well my opinion is there and it's strong and my convictions are there and I feel like somebody else will feel this too um but a lot of times too like you start to feel braver you start to realize that you know hey I really have been through a lot of shit and <laughs> i'm okay yeah. you know like i'm i'm not Perfect, and I never will be. But I'm handling it pretty well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some some of the things that you can put in your stories and in your in your books, if if you're doing it right, you're you're putting yourself in there, and yeah, there's a lot of vulnerability there, but there's a lot of power inside of yourself that can be gained too.
1: Yes. Yes. That's well. I've I've got a a little story where um, my parents, we were, we were in stationed in Guatemala. My parents were Quaker missionaries there. Uh, they were lay missionaries, you know, they they were not ordained. They were, my father was a, a financial guy and my mother was running the guest house, uh, for the mission. And we had to go visit this other missionary family. And we had driven through a couple of countries and this was, uh, we, we went to Belize and the, the, trip back from that was where we got stopped by the guerrillas at gunpoint and I got to look down the barrel of a machine gun that was really entertaining at 15
0: anyway and the kid that was holding the gun on you wasn't much older I know no. you told this story on the, the episode or one of the other yeah. episodes I'll have to see if I can find it right
1: yeah it was it's in there somewhere I know but but we were um they were showing us around their place uh which was basically right in the frickin middle. Of a jungle in Belize. I mean, there were people. They were they were working with the local people, and you know, they were they were what I think of as real missionaries, um, as opposed to what my parents were doing. Uh, but um, they decided they wanted to show us their uh, the jungle, and uh, I had walked through some jungles in Costa Rica. We had climbed up the mountains in there, and uh, had gone up to look at the edge of a volcano. And it was, it was nice. It was not anything like the woods back in Ohio, but it was kind of pleasant. Okay, so Belize and jungle, and there's a line of us walking single file along this path, and the path is curving like a snake and looping around and back and forth around these enormous trees with roots that reach up out of the ground and um, that just... You look up and you cannot see the sky because the overstory is so complete that you you can't see the sky. You can hear things moving. You can hear things clicking and hissing and growling. Um, you can feel your skin starting to try to crawl off your body because there is this feeling that something is watching you and you know it's right. You know that you the, this hair on the back of your neck standing up holy shit, there is something out there, and you hear a little cough. Yeah, and, you, and you know from you know having watched Marlon Perkins on Wild Kingdom that that's, that's the sound that big cats make, and that you are a small creature, and that's a big cat. And somewhere, and you don't know where. And then you trip over one of those fucking roots and fall flat on your face, and when you look up, A, you can't see any people. B, you can't hear any people because the people are being goddamn quiet for some reason you cannot explain. And and C, you don't know where the path is because there was a tree root. And you look up and you can't see anybody, you can't hear anybody, you are stuck in the middle of the jungle, you were the last moron in line. And you think, holy shit, I'm gonna get eaten in here. I can die right here, right now and then somebody said something ahead of me and I kind of got my bearing and I found the right way through because there was not really a path. These people lived there so they knew where they were going but, but animals leave little paths and trails and things too and it all looked the same to me. So I found them and I got there and I got out and that just kind of hung in the back of my mind until I wrote um, the second My second novel, um, which was Faea and... Bones of the Past. Thank you. Yes, Bones of the Past. And then, and I was... (laughs) And some very, very scary trees in a very, very scary jungle are in that book. But that was... It wasn't done with me. Because then when I was writing Matron and uh, I was writing the the secret Secret text and... uh, had my people running through jungles there all of a sudden that damn jungle was back again and that moment and that fear and and that that visceral stuff that does not ever go away the second you start putting yourself into your fiction you start sliding into your characters you can smell the jungle again you can feel it you can feel the weight of the, those massive massive trees that trees that are 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 so big that you cannot see around them and that they and that you cannot see the sky above you and that you're you're in this kind of a twilight in the middle of the day people are very excited about jungles oh i love the jungle i don't i don't (laughs) love the jungle i don't ever want to be in a jungle again that was some terrifying shit man yes you know keep keep them let people who want to go there go there let people who want to live there live there me no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so my point there is that that was not disaster or tragedy. It was a bit of a dumbass move in falling down and not being not staying close enough to my people. But that the events in your life change the way you look at yourself and I realized I had thought that I was this this person who would love being in the wilderness. And you know, I liked Alaska, you know? I did. You could see a long way in Alaska. That turns out to be very important to me, <laughs> being able to see a long way. Um, and because there was shit that hunted us there, but that was different. Uh, <laughs> it was much... You friendly. felt safer. I felt safer, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so, so everything that you experience becomes fodder for your story. And you don't understand when you're experiencing it how much of it you can bring back and how important it's going to be and how meaningful it's going to be to you to write it because it was very therapeutic for me to write those people eating trees. Yes. (laughs) And then to deal with them because they were not just, yes, yes, because they were not just people eating trees. This was Bones of the Past and there were people eating trees in there and my characters got to deal with them in a way that I couldn't and that was (laughs) nice. Okay, so the second thing is that writing fiction, the first thing here is that writing fiction changes the way you look at yourself. And, and it helped me, it did. It, it made me see that I got something valuable out of that. It, it allowed me to see myself as a little braver than I was at the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> writing fiction changes the way you look at family, friends, and strangers. And, and this is kind of terrifying in that everybody you see becomes a potential character in a book. Yep. Um, everybody you love becomes a potential character in a book. Everybody who pisses you off in traffic <laughs> becomes a potential character in a book. And as someone who set a scene in the, the mall, the biggest mall in South Florida, um, and then complete had, had, I think it was dragons, destroy the mall. I think. I don't remember the, I don't remember I know this was in shit, I don't even remember the books in now. Um, but I because it was so crowded and people were right up on your faces. And everybody gets in your face and tries to sell you things and it was like being in the Central American market without the charm. Um,
0: <laughs> and probably without the pickpockets too, but <laughs> yeah, probably not as many. Yeah.
1: So so everybody around you that you love, that you hate, that that just looks kind of interesting. And as you're watching them walk away, you're thinking, "Why is that person walking like that?" And the voice in the back of your head says, "Ooh, that's a spy," or "Ooh, that person just stole something," or "Ooh," and and you build up these stories, and these people show up in your books. Um, yeah. You you know where have you gotten? Where have you used oh. real people? I mean, don't use names. Don't give names, but Yeah,
0: no, no, no. I wouldn't, but uh, <laughs> all of the places I worked, um all of them, I have had plenty of fodder <clears throat> for my work. Um I have <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's it's hard to um I'm I'm trying to see figure out things without giving any examples that other people could possibly point out but um, I, it, as, as a waitress too okay so like I'll just take that just at one simple small example um, in the in leaving Wanda Lucia there's a scene where the waitress is standing there and she's uh, doing or the main character is standing there and she's doing her job as a bartender and she's mentions this one guy very briefly he that all bars or all you know restaurants have a guy like this he just comes in he likes to sit and flirt but you know he wouldn't actually take you home there was a guy that uh there was actually two or three of them but um one in particular that would come in talk to me all the time flirt a lot tell me about his hunting place in you know in um Uh, Georgia because he had a a 80 acre place where he would hunt nice and yeah and he would have like friends and family go with him or go up there without him and he he offered to bring me back like a gopher turtle and I told him you know that's that's illegal and he he's like well I won't tell if you if you don't because (laughs) you know I like turtles Yeah. yeah um he he was a really really nice guy and he asked you know he'd ask like oh well i know you're not single so do you have an older sister or how about your mom (laughs) is, is she with somebody you know and it's just but he's the kind of guy that liked his life liked his routine um had things that he really liked to do and would wouldn't have wanted a relationship with somebody necessarily unless he found them you know hunting and they were very independent and didn't want to encroach on his shit you know and the other two guys that I'm thinking about uh you know one of them was very attached to this other waitress if it was her birthday Christmas or there was one other day he would leave her a hundred dollar tip and that was for her wow and all the rest of the time yeah and one time I was really helpful for her like just just helping her out because we were slammed and he ended up leaving me a 20 as an appreciation for me being so good with her um and in the small area that I worked in that very small restaurant um where you had a lot of locals and regulars especially with that dude that he came every single day he would leave a dollar or two you know, or maybe five bucks here and there. Um, you don't typically get tips like that from regulars, right? You know. So anyway, the the point is, like he he got put in. I almost said his name. <laughs> the 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 guy that that you know had the hunting spot and would always talk to me and flirt with me. That guy got put in that book because I really liked him, and he he was just a cool guy but I know that you know having worked in other areas and stuff there is there are guys like that if you have a small town especially or a small area in a bigger city with a a smaller you know restaurant or business with with lower priced foods you're going to get regulars daily regulars and that's kind of one of the characters that shows up
1: yeah that's it's a lot of it I think and a lot of our, the richness that we can pull from, from our own interactions with other people comes from the communities that we build, um, the communities that we interact with. There's, uh, there's a place, there's a restaurant that we go to, and um, I, I won't name names, but it's we are relative regulars. They all wave when we walk in the door. Um, we know all the waitresses. We know the cooks because the cooks cook in front of everybody. Uh, they have this little wraparound in there right there in the middle of the restaurant and uh, you know we we, we know we, we the owner is famous so we don't know him but uh, he has waved to us on occasion. Uh, and the managers we know and it's we love this place and we go in we always leave a really good tip for who whichever of the, the girls is waiting on us and this is going these people at the point where uh I, I have a place for them, all of them. Yeah, in a book. Yeah,
0: see, that's that's what's really cool is that when something strikes you hard enough, whether it's a good or a bad strike, you have a place for it in your writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know where it, where it's gonna go. Like um, I I was writing an album just make this real quick, because I know we've got more points to make. But I was writing this zombie series a long time ago. Um, and I plan on bringing that back and working on that's part of the thing that I was talking to you about. But um, I had a, <laughs> I had places that I specifically tore down, or would have the characters pass and go through or go in and you know specific houses for from specific people didn't make it and there were bodies found or you know like and I am not a violent person <laughs> right in real well, life my no. brother yeah my 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 middle my little brother not my baby brother joe is perfect but um, <laughs> my middle brother mark might you know say that i'm very violent <laughs> but i'm not um but yeah it's just it's it's cool that because I said it in South Florida, so the uh, one place in a high building that I worked at that was, uh, you know, a, yeah. a bunch of BS, uh, that place got just wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I it, you have these plans for places and and ways of showing your appreciation or your vengeance as a writer, and it's it's a lot of fun.
1: It is. It is. It, it's it allows you. To view your past with a somewhat less jaundiced eye. Because (laughs) um, at any point, you can think, hey, that's all right. Because, yeah, you did that. But I'm going to get paid because you did that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anytime somebody's a dick, anytime somebody betrays you or says your family and then turns around and stabs you in the back for for no reason. Mm -hmm. um, Or for no reason that you could see you you, you heard it first but then you realize hey you know what I'm just going to use that basic principle right, in my next book or my next story and you might not pay for what you did but I'll be getting paid for it yes
1: exactly that's just <laughs> it and there is so you know writing fiction changes the way you look at family friends and strangers okay now Writing fiction also changes the way you look at the world, and this is no matter how crappy things might be in the world, and you can look at this from a the standpoint of someone who is religious, someone who is political, someone who is, um, uh, you know, what what's the what are the other things? What are the other hot buttons from from a gender? perspective well, there's f- philosophy yeah phil- you've from got philo- so many different philo- philosophy. from a philosophical philosophy yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> from a philosophical perspective uh you can look at this as you can look at the whole world and all the crap that's going in it and just realize that no you know as as an individual you can, you there is really very little you can do but um as a writer you can put what you see into your fiction in a way that is meaningful to you and even if you cannot change um a political climate or a religious injustice or a a racial struggle or a a gender conflict or you know or conflicts between countries or whatever you know or environmental issues that matter to you or just whatever if you you cannot as a single person change these things there's very little that, that one person physically can do but you can pull what matters to you into your story all of my stories um have i i'm, I'm not religious i am not political um I disagree with everybody on everything where politics is concerned, except, except maybe from the, the libertarian perspective. I will give them um, individual rights are the basis upon which a civilization, the only basis upon which a civilization can be built. And that's, that is my entire political ball of wax right there. <laughs> individual rights are the entire basis upon which a civilization can be built. And that's what's in my stories, just you know that. And my people focus on on that's my that's one of my big issues. Um, racial injustice is a big issue of mine. Um, gender issues are big issues of mine. Uh, I tr- I try to show what I have seen in the world, and my background has been really useful for this. In that I had gay relatives who were basically who were out within the family. Um, I I had. Uh, we have lived with where I was the only white kid in a number of different schools and the only English speaker uh, or the only original English speaker um, where I have been a, a minority of one in a vast sea of everybody else. And that has been really useful as a perspective for a writer to be that person, to be the person who is different than everybody else around you. Uh, very it's
0: it's also being a white woman in America. It's also a unique perspective to have oh, yeah. because the majority of white women in America, um, and I'm I'm not saying no white woman in America other than you. It's obviously, <laughs> there are many that have had this experience, but the majority of them don't have it. Mm-hmm. So they don't have that, that other side perspective.
1: Right. And it, it is a useful perspective to have, to understand that you are not. No matter who you are, you are not in the majority. You are everybody. Because you are an individual, you are a minority of one. And there is something about you that other people would, that you otherwise like would really dislike. No matter who you are, because everybody has all of these. We're unique. We're unique. And nobody is a perfect match for anybody else. Nobody is. It just, it doesn't happen. So it's... Even among the closest people that you are, that that matter to you in your life, you're going to have these areas of conflict. And that is fiction fodder, but it's uh, the whole world is your oyster. You get to use everything, you just have to figure out why it matters to you personally as an individual. And you know, you've you've got some stories with this. you you know?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's just a if, this was something that I struggled with for a while because I thought it was bigger than it was, like the why does it matter question. I always it always confused me because I was trying to figure out, well, why does it matter to the reader? Why should they care? Well, I don't know because I'm writing it and they're reading it. But when you when you sit down to actually, write something finding out what matters to you isn't hard it and and you just have to remember why it matters to you when you're writing it and make it matter to the characters and the right people reading it it'll matter to them too and it's like um I'm trying to think of a story other than leaving one to Lucia because I keep using that um but the the different things that mattered in there um was just (laughs) The, the animal rescue, obviously, because mm-hmm. if anybody follows me on, like, my personal Instagram or, you know, Facebook or people that are my friends, uh, they, especially my Instagram, it's, like, 80% cats. And I try not <laughs> to make it that... But it's like 80% cats and my rescue dogs and all of our animals, except for my husband's Chia Palm, they're all rescues. And every single animal I've ever had, personally, my pet was rescues. And the majority of our cats that you had were rescues. Including your two face hugger cats. (laughs) Yes. Yes. My, I think Ollie really is the only face hugger. Thea just jumps on me randomly and then just lays there and she's just so not right mentally but it's that's fine um but yeah so it's the, like a lot of that the cat the the animal rescue um but one thing that i found sometimes what you what matters to you and and the things that that you feel uh will pop up unexpectedly in your writing and you go with it especially during revision if you find it and you're like, well, this thread is important to me. So I want to keep it going, uh, which is another good thing to do an octopus map on um, to find the different threads that matter to you. But the social injustice of um, the the sharing everything from just your side and people following it and believing you and um, so taking for instance, let's just say two people that have a lot of followers break up and one follower posts something because that's basically what kind of happened in leaving Wanda Lucia. One person posts their sob story and how they were so wronged and this and that. And of course, they have all of these followers and and it's basically a sociopath lying about what had happened in the relationship. Well, all of these people believe it and all of these people that maybe they both know are following him and believing him and and can't believe she would do these things and this and that. And you're getting all of these people involved in your private affairs. And then you don't know both sides of the story. So as a person, you're sitting there judging this, this social media post that is BS. And then the other side of the story from the person who's more private and is trying to escape something, they, they don't have their chance. So that that popped up was not something that i had ever intended to have in the book but it (laughs) popped up and then the the fear of viral viral attention from somebody because i see all of these posts of people having a bad day or of people having a bad moment uh or people being treated poorly and then you know maybe maybe it's just been a bad year a bad about everything and everybody's just he doesn't know what he's going to do necessarily or she you know about they can't pay their bills you don't know what's going on in that person's life to have them snap and then have just this 30 second to three minute video of them cracking in the worst possible moment and then that goes viral and millions and millions of people are seeing it and judging you and hating you and then it kind of ruins your life yeah you know, so those, those things kind of pop up in a very low level in the book, but there were something that mattered to me that I knew mattered to me, but I didn't realize this was a story that was going to have that in there.
1: Yeah. Oh man, I
0: can't,
1: <laughs> as you were telling that, I was thinking about your biological father and how, oh my God,
0: uh, I am so grateful. Could have gotten justice, <clears throat> though, if, if. If that had gone viral, oh my!
1: Well, no, but see, the thing is, the lead up to that—he was a sociopath. Yes, yeah, yeah. But the lead up to that was that uh, he was uh, had had was telling you guys that you could, uh, you know, request to not see me anymore when you were twelve. Um, yep, that
0: we could we could choose a parent to live with and that you were horrible and there was all of these lies yes. that he was telling about you. Yeah, so if there was social media, he would have been this huge victim. And, of course, he was a sociopath and everybody thought he'd be so charming and nice. They would have all friended him. Mm-hmm. So he would have had thousands of Facebook fan right, friends. Right, right. And, and they,
1: yes, he would have just, oh, my God, he would have really eaten that up. And I was already the Yankee outsider in a small southern
0: town. Yeah, and the problem and- with that too is that officials look at Facebook stuff. They they now see that as part it's it's just like your um, you know, you don't want to post crazy shit on your Facebook page if you have a public Facebook page and you are also a public representative for a company or you want to go work somewhere because now now many businesses are looking at people's Facebook page to see if they're the type of person they want to hire. So it's something else that people also, they tell you, don't post stuff about your accident if you're in a car accident. Don't post stuff <laughs> about the ex if you're in a divorce because they use your social media nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's,
1: that would have made things so much harder because I
0: don't use social media. Um, you know, nope, but you know he would have. Yeah. And he, especially if this had been around in your <clears throat> 30s, your late twenties, early thirties, he he would have been all over this and and it would have been, you know, the attentions that he see that he, he sought after, he would have gotten it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And boy, at the point where Mark came to me and told me what was going on, that might never have been able to happen. Yeah because yeah, of social who knows media.
0: what would happen with social media and social media is a good thing in many ways and that's what i put in the book i i specifically have it being a good thing for another character um and even for the main character in small ways but i also point out the dangers and again that was not something that i realized was going to go in there mm-hmm. but to put back on the point it's something that did matter to me and I found a way my muse found a way to put it in the book right and that is something a, on my mind a
1: whole world issue now social media yeah and that's um so yeah that's that is a perfect example of that um so again the point on that was writing fiction changes the way you look at the world and it pays to actually look at the world and to uh, form opinions uh, about what's going on, and you may form find... educated opinions. Do what? Form educated. Yes, opinions. Yes, form yeah, educated <laughs> opinions. But but I have found even in um, in real life that uh, your opinions change over time and with experience. Uh, when I was yeah. nineteen, uh, I was a registered Republican. When I was 25, I was a registered Democrat. Um, when And uh, I am not, I am, I am re- a registered voter now. The simplicity uh, or, or the, the fact that you are going to have strong opinions now and you're going to find out as you get go through life that you were wrong about things Um, and you were wrong about things in really big ways, and you took passionate stands about stuff that turns out not to be um, the most brilliant things that have ever come out of your mouth, Uh, this is going to happen. This is just part of life. So you you don't ever want to go negative um, because that will come back and bite you in the ass. You, you know, you can think really, really negative thoughts, but I don't recommend putting those into your books. Um, I don't recommend any sort of attack stuff. And I'm very grateful that I never did anything like that. Uh, but you know, you life will change you, and it will change you hard, and in mean and vicious ways, and will slap you around every opinion you ever held, and make you make you the ones that you end up with. You'll you will have earned. Um, the ones that stick with you, the principles that hold true over time, will come through in the end, and they will. your, your writing will winnow down into these smaller, tighter core principles. Um, and I think, I think you tend to shoot a lot wider when you're just getting started. You have a lot more stuff in there that, that you're going to find out later. It doesn't really matter so much to you. But that, too, is part of having life burn a lot of the shit out
0: of you. Well, I think there's also a lot of good that happens to people and a lot of good experiences that changes them for the better. And that kind of also puts in perspective a lot of the things that might not matter so much anymore.
1: Yeah. Matt changed everything for me. So your story intersects with your life. And the funny thing about this is there's some of it that you're going to realize and then there is some of it that is going to sneak onto the page that you don't realize in first draft. You don't realize that you are writing about this thing in your past. I, I, didn't, I did not consciously, when I was writing the people eating tree scene in Bones of the Past, I was not consciously pulling from that experience in the jungle. And it, it was, I was when I was writing Matron. I knew about that but um, in our hell, no and then it was the scene that i was reading it out loud to the writers group and i was watching everybody scooting forward in their chairs and leaning forward and there you could have heard a pin drop in there as i was writing as i was reading right to the end of that scene and i could see people not breathing as i was writing to the end of that scene and i read the last line And everybody burst out laughing and they were like leaning back. And it was this enormous relief. And that was when I knew that I nailed it. But that was also when I thought, oh my God, I was actually there. And that's why I knew. That's that's why I I was in that jungle personally a bunch of years ago in my life. And that's why that scene worked. And there was an immediate click because of the feedback that I got on that one scene where I not, know, not only knew how that scene had worked, but knew where it had come from finally. But it wasn't while I was writing it. I didn't know that that was in there while I was writing it. And watching the yeah, reaction. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> oh, it was, oh, it was fucking awesome. That's I miss Schrodinger's Pet Shop. Yes it invades your downtime your your writing will invade your downtime and this is uh the wake you up in the middle of the night thing do you have anything where your writing has just kind of grabbed you
0: oh yeah like I mean it's it can be any time like I'll be writing with my husband somewhere or going somewhere or we'll be standing in you know at a supermarket trying to pick something out and I think about what... Okay, so like we had a flash flood the other week. And I walked out to let Maggie outside. And immediately it came into my head. I need to have a flash flood in uh, this the second part. And just immediately everything hit my head. I knew how I was going to use it. I knew what kind of conflict it was going to cause. I knew what kind of issues that um both of the main characters were going to have and the villain. And it just it, I I just started thinking about it. And I'm like, I had to remember to get Maggie inside because I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, I need to go do this now. And, um, but I've had, I've, I've been sitting there knitting with Tony and I'll watch him and he'll say something and something will happen when he's playing his destiny and it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And it pops in my head exactly what I need to do. Or, I mean, it's, it's, anytime anywhere I've I've woken up and it it's happened to me with art too like I've woken up knowing this painting that I want to do like I need to to how to do it or like I'll wake up with um the answer to a conflict issue it's it's just yeah <laughs> like you said it invades your downtime it it I've thought of whole stories while while driving, yeah. you know. Yes,
1: yes, that's um, okay. So I'm going to say the next one is it talks to you in your sleep, and my example yeah. for that was um, uh, around the end of October, uh, a bunch of years ago now, uh, and a few years after my first publisher Jim Bain had died, I had this dream in which Jim Bain. Came to me and through an intermediary, uh, told me the basic outline of a book that if I wrote it, it would be huge, and it was. And I tried to ask him something, and and when I did, um, he couldn't he couldn't talk, but the intermediary could talk. But when I asked him my question, he disappeared, and I woke up. And then I ran the idea through my head, because usually when you've had a dream and you run the idea through your head, it is the, the story idea turns out to be um, banana monkey uh, c- cookie chocolate. And you go, yeah, that's not going to work. But this was a real goddamn good idea. This was a magnificent idea. And I had my laptop sitting, lying on the floor next to the bed for reasons unknown. And I grabbed it and popped it on my lap and started writing and I wrote out the idea for it right there right then and it is the the story still um provisionally titled dreaming the dead because I had never dreamt the dead before I had never um I had never had a dream of someone who was dead telling me something ever and I have never had one since um so that's just a provisional working title for the book, and it's one of the things that I want to do. And with my new concept of doing three books at the same time, which I did blog on. So I have, this is on my blog if you want to take a look. Um, This is one of the books that I will be getting to in my process of doing um, the book that I'm writing, the book that I'm outlining and planning and the book that I'm conceptualizing. And, um, it's just this is something that happens. Your dreams, your dreams can can give you genuinely good stuff, just out of fucking nowhere. It was it was yeah. amazing. Okay, so the next one is that it will pull details from your existing work. Um, that you will be you you'll be working on your seventeenth your book. Okay, let's just put this in the future a little bit. Um, or, or for some of you in the past, uh, you're going to be working on book number 17 and all of a sudden you are going to remember something that you had, that you kind of ran up the flagpole 15 years ago and it's still sitting in text form on your hard drive. It's, and, and you go in and you look at this and you go, wow, I know what I could do with that now. <laughs> and. Um, as someone who has been going through my hard drive lately, uh, I can say that there's stuff in there that I wrote off as being stupid back when I wrote it. And then, and I wrote like, uh, you know, a chapter or two and, and said, eh, eh, I don't think so. And I went back and read it and went, Ooh, wait a minute. No, if I did this and this and this, I could actually write that. Holy shit. And that's what I really need right now is more stuff to write. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. But but then it's in there. And this stuff that you put on the hard drive that doesn't go someplace, don't throw it out. Because, my God, you don't know what kind of little gemstones can be in the middle of a big pile of crap. And you might have to winnow out some crap. You know, there, there might, you might have to get out the hose and, and wash off the horse poo. Uh, before you can actually see the good stuff that's left in the middle and you know but there a lot of times there's going to be some good stuff in the middle oh yeah have you found anything like this on your hard drive
0: yeah I found um a couple (laughs) so when I was writing um romance and erotica and stuff I kind of went through just to see if I had because I I'm always writing down ideas Always. I have notebooks and notebooks from even when back when I was a waitress and stuff where I would just jot down ideas and I was going back through them just to see what else I had just kind of to kind of compile them and get them all together and I found some really bad teenage stupid romance story ideas but then I found some really good stuff and I have this one story that I found that was was real I was like I can't did I write this did somebody else write this because this is really good like I need to change some of it but it's like I have to keep this going
1: yeah yeah that's that that's a perfect example
0: yeah I've got I've got um, a screenplay that I remember writing um, the, it's, it's actually just the first few pages and I have the story outlined and I remember writing it. It was when we first got here and I was like, ah, this is, this is, you know, not, not good enough. I'll put it aside for later for when I'm a better writer and I can do it. And I pulled it out, um, last year when I was trying to get everything organized and put my stuff in so I could figure out what I wanted to work on next mm-hmm. and, I read, I pulled that script out and I read it and I was hooked. And I was, I was <laughs> like, I thought this was bad. It was tight. It was good. It was different. And I fucking love the idea. And I still want to go back and I still want to write it. And I, I really, I already know the ending Wow. and it's kind of poetic and it's, it's just, it is, it was really, really well done and i'm excited about that one too yeah um but finding it was really nice i do want to go back and read take a chance on me which unfortunately has has absolutely not going to win the which book do you want me to do for how to revise your novel (laughs) um (laughs) yeah there's no chance in hell unless (laughs) you suddenly get 45 people that are like obsessed with romances and want to see that one done to just go in there and click vote 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 because that (laughs) that one's dead but i do want to go back and read that and see if there's anything good in there, if it, how salvageable it is, I'm excited about doing that. Yeah,
1: well, you still, you have the book, so you can still go back and revise that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I will. It's just a matter of time, especially since every, every freaking body wants Glass House done. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I'm looking at poor little Take a Chance on Me, like. Yes, but Glass <laughs> House even the is name, your career even the name now. Yeah. Yeah, Glass House is, but even the name says Take a Chance on Me, people. You couldn't have clicked on it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, Glass House is the one I'm most excited about. But I, you know, I have about 100,000 words of Take a Chance on Me done. And it. W- I think it's like 90,000. Or I don't know how, how many words it is. But it's like so close to being done. And I feel like I really want to get in there and see how much of it I can salvage and see if I can put it up for sale. <laughs> well, you can do that. Yeah, but not until after I've done uh glass house because that's the one everybody wants
1: right yes and my cover art yes. becky is well yeah, yeah becky's art, doing my cover art for the cadence drake series now so yes. yeah i'm getting ready to do some re-releases of those and and uh right now they've got spaceships on the covers and they're not they're gonna have katie on the covers and i am yes finally really- and
0: hopefully we can i can do katie justice that she deserves because nobody has ever gotten her right yeah she's a tough face she is. Yeah. Yeah. She's, well, she's so, she's Mary's child, and that's very different. Right. If you haven't read the book, definitely, you know, we'll, we have to get it soon. Yeah. Hopefully with, with my new cover on <laughs> your book. Yes. Yes, well. I've got people that are already saying they want to pre-order it with both of our signatures. Oh, that would be, <laughs> God, I wish we had a way to do that. We do. It just, I'll order them, and then I'll, or, I can have them shipped to you, and then you can sign them and then ship them to me, and then yeah, I can send them out. Yeah, well,
1: that's, that's double shipping, so that's going to definitely add to the cost of the book. So, I just yeah, well, that might have to wait a little while, guys. <laughs> um, okay, so the last one, and this one I, is, is personal for me, is your writing and your stories and your character and stuff will invade your shower. And I can be standing in the middle of the shower and the water is running on my head and a character or a story will appear or the solution to a problem that I was having with the story or a new direction that I could take that would fix something that I broke and knew that I broke. Um, and I never had this with baths. Uh, so...
0: No. No. Yeah. It's something about the shower, yeah. There
1: is something about having water running on your head in the shower. For me, um, that just is like this direct connection to my muse. It bypasses um, the the whole activities of daily living thing. It bypasses um, thinking about finances. It bypasses uh, being annoyed with myself that I haven't been practicing the guitar Um, it's just all of a sudden story idea, all of a sudden story solution. And more often than not, it's not a new idea. It is a solution to a problem that I've been having with a story that I have not been able to figure out. And I'll be standing in the shower and bam, it will be, the answer will be there and it'll work. And yeah, that's, you know, you, you sound like you might have experienced this.
0: Yeah. I've had, I don't know what it is. I, I, the shower, I just, I I honestly don't know. Like Tony will play music when he's in the shower. and I've done it a couple of times or I've listened to podcasts or something because he has a Bluetooth speaker now that, that he got from Wish for a couple bucks that goes, it's got a silicone thing and it pops on the on the wall of the shower. But I don't do that because it, it wrecks that time to when your muse can come in. And sometimes the music actually can help it a little bit, but for the most part, I just like being in the shower. I'll even turn off the lights. Like I, my preferred thing was I would turn on the, the closet light in our bathroom, the master closet, and turn off the bathroom light mm-hmm. because it kind of gives that that setting of, of, I don't know what it is, but it just, it gives the right mood for my muse to just pop out and tell me a story idea. And it was really good for the romance, um, for the shorts, because that's where Taking Maggie came from. um, That's where a couple of my ideas have come from, especially if I'm working on something spookier, I would like during glass house trying to put the idea together trying to put scenes together trying to put characters together that setting always helped the lights off and the shower going and it was just perfect for me and um the other thing is driving it, it if I am driving it invades my thoughts like I'll have ideas obviously I still pay attention um but if I get an idea coming through, I turn off the radio and I just, I immediately, or Pandora, I don't listen to the radio. <laughs> but um, I have all of these different ideas that come in. And it seems to be if you can't write something down, that's when the ideas pop up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it really. So it, <laughs> this is very true. So it really, really helps if your office is five steps from your shower. As
0: mine. mine is. Yeah, mine yeah. is too. Like literally, I get out of the shower and it's, yeah, it's about five steps yeah. from the shower to that little sitting room. Yeah, that's, if the
1: commute is really, really short, this is a very helpful thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're looking at here is that you are going to connect in unusual ways and at unusual times with your characters, your plots, your conflicts, your settings with um, everything that and, and you pull out of these and you can actually kind of you can kind of set yourself up so that if you are having a problem with one of these specific things you can, can find one of these ways of living inside of your story that will allow you to fix if you have a character problem and you know that the shower trick works for you you can just kind of relax and, and be just have in the back of your mind, well, you know, Muse it would be really helpful if you could give me a little bit of help with this character. And then, you know, take a shower. Um, that Or you can
0: go to sleep, too. Sometimes that works, <clears> and then you'll wake up with the solution.
1: Yes, yes. Um, one of the things that I have routinely done when I have been having with a, pro- a problem with the book is I will think about the problem as I am falling asleep. And... Very often, not always, but very often, I will wake up with this, with the solution, and the solution will be a good one. I mean, you know, nothing quite of the extreme nature of dreaming the dead, which was just astounding, and it was a fully fledged idea that did not include bananas or cookies anywhere in it. Um, it was just it was just there, and but but you can. Help this process along. Um, you can find the ways that you connect with your story and then put yourself in the path of having the story come to you. You know, kind of like if you know that there's there are things that keep you away from your story, like um, if you know that there are activities that, that really, really screw up your writing, um, for me, it would be watching television or news or reading news yeah. articles or um, anything like that. Then don't do that. Don't don't put yourself in the path of the stuff that screws up your writing. Put yourself instead. Stand in the middle of the river of ideas. And, um, you know, then think about your character. Think about your plot. Think about the fact that you worked your character into a corner and he's stuck and the only thing you can think of now is that now he's going to die, and then you just say, "Okay, you know, um, muse, yeah, you know, help me out here," and then you do yeah. the thing like for me knitting, taking a shower, um, various other you know small activities that that it used to be folding laundry. Folding laundry used to be the most amazing idea idea generator that I would have. You know, there's something about Clothes that are clean and warm and smell nice that you're folding, and that all of a sudden you, the back of your mind says, oh, and by the way, you can do this and do that and do that and do that, and it'll fix your problem. And so, you know.
0: Yeah, cleaning the house for me is one, like, especially with reorganizing or minimizing or anything. I don't know why, but I, I actually genuinely like to clean, mm-hmm. and I like to organize and minimize, and it. Part of like, especially if I can get some music going that actually motivates me, it's not long before I have some kind of idea. And one thing I wanted to say too, is with the connecting to your story, connecting to your characters, if you're connecting well, but you feel it's the wrong direction, keep writing it. It's first draft. You don't know if you're going to end up using it. You might end up using it in another area in the book. But if you are connecting really well to something, or if you realize that this story, um, this this element of the story might not be appropriate for what you're doing, just put it in there anyway. It's just first draft. Yeah. You can always take it out. You can always use it later. Some, some other story, some other part of the story. Don't shut that down because y- you you need the momentum sometimes yeah. and sometimes that part that connection can open up other connections that you can use in the future right um i i had a couple of moments of really good connections with um the 12,000 words that i subsequently have cut but yeah you're going to use it, that
1: character right
0: yeah i'm probably He I was thinking about it. Um, I'm changing that character um slightly because I still need this other person, but I liked what I wrote so much that I want him to have his own book and still in the Wanda Lucia series. But um the the thing is that when I was writing that, while there was nothing that moved this story forward. I made a couple connections while connecting to that one character out of the blue. The the character that wasn't even supposed to be in the book. (laughs) Um, Very out of the blue. But I made connections to this book through him that I can now use. And if I hadn't gone 12,000 words out of my way to connect with this one character, I wouldn't have gotten some things that I feel are very significant for this book. And have really completely changed the way that I am writing the book because the original villain is no longer the villain nice oh yeah. awesome yeah yeah and it it really struck me as the the way to to point out something that has meant to me for a long time and and the original villain it it bothered me in some areas so I like using this new new thing and if I hadn't written that extra twelve thousand words that brought me out of the way that didn't move this story forward at all, I would not have come up with this very new concept with with very different connections that I, you know, have made and 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 am enjoying enjoying now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that is absolutely true. There is you cannot break first draft.
0: This is this took because it's already broken, right? Right.
1: Well, yes, the first draft by nature is going to be a screwed up wreck. You know, and now there are some people who do very, very clean first drafts, and I have on occasion done a clean first draft. But the general process for me is to write through, make a lot of mistakes, change things on the fly as I'm going, keep pushing forward, um, hit the ending, and then go back and read through, figure out the story I was trying to tell, or figure out, because I don't know the story I'm trying to tell, the truth of it, the depth of it, and what matters about it, until I write the ending. At which point, once you know the ending, you, go, you know what the beginning is supposed to be, and you go back and you fix all that stuff. But you can find so much other stuff that you went in wrong directions on that's still good stuff, and that might yeah. be perfect for another book. Or, so, so don't don't throw stuff away, man. Yeah, you are absolutely right on that. That's... Yeah, and, and, and don't
0: stop yourself.
1: Right, and don't from, stop yourself.
0: From, yeah. Because every
1: <laughs> once in a while, and you think after you've written as many books as I have, you would know this, but every once in a while, you will forget this. And I bailed on not one, but two different books. One was Talismana, the other was Dreaming the Dead. Uh, in which, with both of these, I was running through, and I was going off in a lot of wrong directions, and instead of keeping going, I stopped, and it was because I forgot about the provisional outline, which is, um, God, what is it, lesson 19 in uh, how to write a novel now? I just finished doing the lesson, I think it's 19. Um, I had forgotten that technique, completely forgotten it. And it is, if you really, if you know you have screwed
0: up something in the middle, it's how you keep going. And I, <laughs> I, I just forgot. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that one because you told me about that one after I told you that I messed up, uh, the 12,000 words. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, you need to download this. So as soon as that one pops up, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But the, yeah, that. Well, you get mom Benny's I can just email it to you. Woohoo. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, the The talismana thing. I don't even think you had an outline for that. That was all pantsing, right? Right. right. That was me yeah, pantsing so the a novel. So you being able to to do that that technique of the provisional outline would have probably really saved that.
1: Oh yeah. Well, that's what that's what the provisional outline is. It's a thing you write on the fly, where every time you screw up badly. You go back through your little provisional outline and you fix the stuff in in what you have already written in your head. You don't nice. fix it in real life. Okay, just, so
0: this is this is really cool. So this is kind of helping you out with your how to re, or, or the revision down yes, the road. Yes. I mean, this is because I'm looking at how to revise your novel again and thinking about this. And I'm like, God damn, that would have fucking helped.
1: <laughs> yes, but Dead
0: Man's Party has shifted
1: four times on me now. it, yeah. it has. It has shifted from this... This kind of um, light, simple story about um, an AI uh, in love with a guy at, after uh, a, some sort of a technological crash. Not, not a big deal. And then it became post-apocalyptic. And then it became post-apocalyptic, but, but 10 years after the fact, so that you know, things were not that bad anymore. The stuff was coming back. Then it became post-apocalyptic, two years after the fact when we are deep in the shit and there are zombies and cannibals. And cannibals. Yes. And then, fourth change, it became, oh, now you've got to write it funny. Not just funny, now you've got to write it Terry Pratchett Douglas Adams funny cuz my muse yeah, is no piker. That's hard. Oh my god. Yes. There is my muse is no piker with its demands, man. It's coming right in there. It's going yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you think you got this? Watch this. This is what I want you to do now. Bitch. Yeah, pain in the ass, yeah. muse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, my muse is rough, man. <laughs> it's, so, so this provisional outline has allowed me to roll with those changes without going back and changing anything.
0: So is that is there another one that we need to to get to? Oh, well, yeah, well, there are two, there are a couple of things. Yeah.
1: Um, everything first off, so you're you're gonna use the, these these various little what works for you techniques and put you in the path of your muse being able to talk to you so that you can get your characters, your plots, your conflicts, your settings. Then you have to realize, that your editor is going to tell you things are trite that are not trite because everything is new strange and different to someone yeah you the things that that are normal in your life let's say you live in small town middle america uh, or you live in manhattan um and you everything around you is feels like something that is ordinary that there is nothing spectacular about it nothing different nothing that would interest anyone understand that if you are living in a small town and you are writing about everybody knowing everybody else and being in everybody else's pockets and gossiping about in this tight little area where one thing gets to everyone and then everyone treats someone differently because of one rumor that turns out not to be true. That is a completely different life experience that someone who lives in a big city will never have. If you're living in a big city and all you see is strangers 99.99% of the time and you have this tight little group of people that are spread out at, at a distance and and you have to commute to get to visit each other and there is a sense of isolation, you are experiencing something that most people in the world don't know. And it's this is the truth for everybody. Your life is unique, and nobody else has a life like it. So what matters to you, what you experience, what you see and fear, feel and fear and desire and know as the truth of your own life, as how the world works around you, is not the way it works around everybody else. So you can just pull from your own life and live inside your own world, live inside your own story, and that will be unique to almost everybody. There will be a few people, you know, your next door neighbor will probably say, oh, yeah, he just wrote about this place. And, you know, <laughs> what's special about it? Okay, but to everybody else, to everybody who doesn't live next door to you, you you are you are living on an alien planet, and you can pull from it w- at, at will. Just don't use any real names. Very important. Yeah,
0: it's, it's yeah. Like the biker thing that you had mentioned before. Yeah. it's I'm writing about this a poker run in one of the in the leaving one Lucia, and all of my bikers, if they read it, they'd be like, okay, it's a poker run, and you know, <laughs> it for, for them, it's like when they're reading this, they're like, all right, I. Yeah, I, I know what happens during a poker run. But for the most, I, I'm, I'm assuming here, I mean, there's a lot of women that read those motorcycle um, romance novels. So some of them might read it and not ah, yeah, all right, well, I've already read about this. But a lot of the people reading my book might never have any, you know, any kind of contact with that world. Maybe they've never even seen Sons of Anarchy, which... Right. Well, that That was one percenter is completely different than than the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of everybody else who rides the motorcycle. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I've I've never seen the show, The Sons of Anarchy. It's
0: yeah. It's a one percenter. It's an outlaw motorcycle game. Right. That's so. Even that experience would be different than than everybody else riding motorcycles.
1: Right. And I and I was completely unaware. I had no idea what a motorcycle run was. I am unfamiliar with motorcycle clubs. Um, And so all of this was new stuff to me. My experience with motorcycles was riding behind my grandmother um, on her, what, Indian Chief, I think it was. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Back when I was 9 or 11, somewhere around there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, getting to to wear the helmet and and ride behind her. And and she was in her mid-50s at the time, I think. My grandma kicked ass. She was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I wish you could have met her.
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, I have a picture of us sitting on a couch oh, together. Well, yeah, you met I her was, when you were little. But... Yeah, but I was so little and I didn't. Yeah, yeah, that
1: was that five generations picture.
0: And when you're that little, you don't appreciate uh, people as well. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I'll have to show you the picture I found. That one just had you, me, her, and Mark.
1: Okay, I have one with all with all five generations: my great grandmother, my grandmother, my yep. mother,
0: me, and you. I think that's one of the ones that I sent you, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, that one I had to give you, but um, this one I just found. But it's like like you're talking about, and and just the fact that you said motorcycle club, most don't even go by that because motorcycle club is a dangerous term. Oh. So. Yeah? Really? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, um it's it's like how you design your patches on the back of your on your vest. Just the design of the back patches can is a language in in of itself.
1: Really? The,
0: the yeah. Yeah, the 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 patches that you wear on the front and the and the sides and the pockets, all of those are a language. I I can and I'm not even that that well versed, but it's I can look at somebody and and their lang and their vest itself tells me about them before I ever meet them. So it's so this is like freaking gypsy culture and leaving or or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a culture all by itself. It is it is definitely a subculture that it is. It, very complex, and there's a lot of history with just how short of a time period there is within the motorcycle uh, world. This is so cool. Yeah. A lot of people call it motorcycle um, associations. Like, that's the one of the ones that I am with, uh, that, that I know, you know, a lot of people in, is a um, CVMA, which is Combat Veteran Motorcycle Association. Uh, the term motorcycle club, a lot of times, especially with law enforcement, they start looking at you a lot differently because that is veering towards the one percenters. That is veering towards an outlaw okay. gang. All
1: right. So yeah. motorcycle association is the appropriate term for your guys. Or riding club. Riding, riding, club. riding club. would
0: okay. be more like uh, me, and, me and Tony. See,
1: <laughs> and that's what I, I would want to call it a writer's group. Because then it would yeah, be like, writer's
0: group. a writer's group, exactly. Because
1: then it would sound like a writer's group, and then you could be
0: both. Yeah, we could get a whole <laughs> bunch of writers together, and it's a writing club. <laughs> it
1: could be a writer's writer's club group. Yeah. Group.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, or club. You can say club Okay, anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> to get us back on topic. Um, so So there are all of those things. Okay the next thing is so that was everything is new strange and different to someone and you know we we found that a little extra cool yeah, that's a good
0: that. example there it really was yes
1: <laughs> um and then the last thing here uh, as my point is while you're doing this while you are living in your story don't talk out your story there is i know tons of people who do this who will have this yeah. story idea and then they will get all excited about their story idea and so they will tell their story idea to a bunch of people and then they don't write
0: it yeah nothing ever becomes of it
1: yeah and this is this is a process where your muse has something that it wants to present and it is excited about it and this, if and it has it is perfectly willing to use any form available to get the story out. And this is like, this is like watching, taking a glass of water and pouring it onto a table. It will find the low point and it will run out the low point and then it will be gone. So if you tell somebody the story you want to write, you have poured the water out on the table and it has run through your verbal description and the need to write it is gone. It dies. It dies. It's just gone. It, it, it evaporates, it has fallen off the table. it is on the floor. it's it's gone. So don't talk about your story. This is also don't blog about your story. Oh, you know yeah. I, I will give little hints and stuff, but I never talk about the actual
0: story. Because, yeah, I don't even do it in the forums. No, and it's not about somebody stealing your idea, it's about you still need to keep that idea to yourself right. until you're done. Because, yeah. right,
1: right, because your muse is content the second it has told the story, it's yep. content, that's done, it's done with that story, and it doesn't need to get it out anymore. And you, as the writer, need to have your muse need to get that out. And then you need to be the evil bitch or evil bastard who won't <laughs> let it unless it gives you words and makes your fingers move. And this is hard.
0: Yeah. I know yeah, that, but if you can keep it in your head that that I mean, if you have an example, a personal example, and you remind yourself of that, then it will be easier to keep it to yourself. Right. Right. It's, it's, if you have ever told out a story, which I have done,
1: I did when I, early, and then the stories were just gone. There was, there was, there was no need, no passion, no drive. Yeah, to write no them. passion. Right. Yeah, right. And that the muse is what gives you that hunger to get words on the page,
0: but your muse is very easily satisfied. Yeah, <laughs> I I did it one time, and I was nineteen or twenty. Oh, I think it was 20 because I I was uh, living in my first apartment and I generally I talked to Mark about all sorts of stuff and we would, you know, talk about writing and talk about story ideas and stuff, but we I usually kept it generalized. Mark uh overshares and I think he tends to um kill off his muse sometimes, mm-hmm. but he did say he's working on it. Um the the issue is I told him about um probably one of my coolest ideas. To maybe back then, I've I've gotten some really good ones, but it's still something that I would have loved to have written. It was called the Ruby Woo, and I absolutely loved the idea. I was totally passionate about him and I about uh, about it, and I told him about it, and he was freaking just overjoyed and overexcited about the the concept and everything. And afterwards, I. It was almost like a writer's block. Like it was my first time I had ever dealt with a true block on something. But I didn't realize what it was. Mm-hmm. I just knew. And and of course, you're saying that it goes to the low point. This makes sense because I, I, I continuously tried. I thought maybe it just needed more. But the problem was what you're saying. And I actually have um, a it said save the something it was like a band advertisement or something and i wrote save the ruby the ruby woo um because that was in my head that's what i wanted to do but i realized and i still have it i i wrote that out when i was 19 or 20 and i still have it and it's still on my cabinet because nowadays i use it as a reminder to never tell anybody else a story yeah ever just to write it out. Even with Tony, I don't tell him the story unless I need help. And then I just give him, you know, bare minimum. outline points or something. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. See, because, and this is what happened. You got paid for that story. Yeah, Be- by his reaction. Yes, and ye- then it was done. Yes, that was it. Your, your muse got what it was looking for. The payment from a, a listener, the payment from the audience, which is what your muse wants. It, it wants to get its story out there. It has this drive to tell, and and you got paid, and beep. That's it. Okay, next story. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and that's yeah. That is a beautiful, beautiful example of that. Okay, so we're we're unless you have anything extra to add, we're at the nope. takeaway now. Okay. Yeah, let's go for the takeaway. So, the the first thing here is to pay attention to everything in your life, to live inside your skin, to be present, um, and to appreciate each moment as you live it. And this is very difficult and sometimes, you know, uh, a certain amount of, of plug for meditation, uh, just, you know, just for <sighs> me, meditation is just breathe in, breathe out, but, uh, you know, and, and count to two. <laughs> breathe in on one, breathe out on two. That's my meditation. Um, it allows you to be focused, to to appreciate what's going on around you a little bit better. Um, and it's very useful as, as a tool, very useful to uh, to let you see what matters around you, to, to notice details about people. But that's it, pay attention, look for magic in your everyday life. And even look for for what you think is normal in your everyday life, but see if you can get a little spin on that. The next thing, Is to turn your reality sideways. To, (laughs) I love fantasy. I love science fiction. And if you take, and I have this thing about mirrors. So I'm gonna just do do a little example here, real fast, where um, in I wrote some novels set in a place called Cat Creek, and. I used a mirror, I just, I had a mirror, I hung it on the wall, and I painted it black, and at the beginning of the story, when I was writing the first chapter, I didn't know where this was going, I I had covered the mirror with black paint, and I had the, the main character move back home, this was her house before her parents died, and she was, and then it had been somebody else's house for a while, and they had painted the mirror black, and then she moved back, or it had been abandoned, I don't remember which, and she moved back, back to this small town and she scraped the paint off the mirror and she was looking in the mirror and she saw a green flash from behind her in the mirror and her skin started to crawl and there was no green behind her when she turned to look at, at the back at, at the front door which was what the mirror was up one of those hallway mirrors in the entryway and the story was built from that moment from what happened, yeah, I really
0: liked reading that too. By the way, it was really well written. I still remember that scene very, very um, vividly. Thank you.
1: That was that one I got right in
0: first draft. That was almost
1: unchanged. That was that was the first book in the one where the second book, the the redheaded Chaos. FBI agent, drove me over yes. the, the cliff, and and cost me sixty thousand words twice on deadline twice.
0: So that's a good example of yes. just finding magic in the ordinary. Yes,
1: because she was she was in a small town. She was in the, the town that was actually Gibson, North Carolina, and that I had moved to someplace else or named something different. I did, but um, and, and it was just one of these old houses that I had been in and thought was wonderful and beautiful, and it had a hall. Uh, a mirror in the hallway and when I was writing that first scene for reasons that my I did not understand my muse had painted the had put black paint on that beautiful mirror and I thought why and
0: f- that was a creepy why yeah <laughs> I know that's not what it was meant but it sounded really creepy. yeah well
1: it was really creepy when I found out why
0: well yeah. holy crap oh, yeah. that's why
1: yeah I would have painted that mirror over too you ask how can this thing live in my fiction how can a character finish scraping the black paint off the mirror of the house she has just moved into and look up and see a little flash of green in it how can that be really big how can that be something special and it was from answering that question that i got a three book series that would have been a seven book series if my publisher
0: hadn't killed it in three so Yeah. And that's something that you, if you can keep asking questions, you can build an entire work of, of your career. Because like for me, Fulton Hills is nothing but answering questions, asking the right questions, freaking myself out a whole bunch and answering the questions. And that is what I hope will be my career world yes like you're saying build a world and and work in it and that's what I want that's
1: absolutely it and the funny thing about this is that the magic in your fiction isn't the big stuff it is this it's the tiny, little tiny yeah tiny little thing that that you look at and you write it and it just flows off your fingertips and when you go back through and you read the previous day's stuff as you're getting ready to write your new stuff you go what's that What is, what is that little tiny thing on the floor right there? That little tiny thing in the corner, that, that, that one little detail. Why is that detail in my book? Because I don't really remember writing that, (laughs) but that's something. And it is in the tiny little details that you will find the most amazing questions and they will give you your stories. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: So was that the takeaway? Did you have anything else? No, that was the whole takeaway.
1: Pay attention and look for the magic. Turn your reality sideways. And then how can this little bit of something live in my fiction? Awesome.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, um, as always, if you liked the episode want to leave us a comment you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com and leave us a comment or if you want to join the community and actually join in the conversation go to hollyswritingclasses.com join the forums you can create a free account and you get the how to write flash fiction that doesn't suck uh three week mini course for free as well um and just join in the conversation, find the podcast forum, come on in and just start talking. If you have any questions about this episode, that's where to go to ask. Um, If you want more information or if you have your own advice or tips or tricks or anything like that, you can leave them in the forum. We're also on the socials at AIA. R-W-I-P. That is uh, Twitter and Instagram. We are on Facebook as well, Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I just wanted to thank the, our patrons because that is just amazing. I, I, You guys don't understand how happy you are making us <laughs> and how wonderful it is to know that we are, you know, supported by some of our listeners who can support us. And if you are one that would like to, we have two different options. You can go to Patreon and and look up Alone in a Room with Invisible People or A-I-A-R-W-I-P. And, you know, even a dollar, a dollar makes a big difference. It's, it's silly to say that, but it, it is absolutely true. And if you wanted to support us on a monthly basis, that's how, if you want to support us as a one-time thing, you can go to com. And on the top right, there is a button for support. You can actually pick one of three different levels. And of course, we appreciate every single thing that anybody does, even sharing the podcast. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So even just a subscription, even if you just subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, yes, <laughs> Spotify. I can't just all of the different places. Yeah. Castbox. That's where I listen to us. If even just subscribing and leaving a like on com or leaving a comment or leaving a review, those things are huge. Those so help. we really, really appreciate every little action you guys are taking. Um. I believe that that is it. If you wanted to support Holly's fiction, because again, she's insane and she's writing three books, and <laughs> one of them right now is being shared. Uh, which one is it? Is it the Long the View. Dead Man's Party? Oh. Long View is already done, though. Which one are you sharing on your Patreon now?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, that would be Dead Man's Party.
0: And okay, yeah. so Dead Man's Party is being shared on our Patreon. Yes, and folks- and probably when.
1: Folks are getting three chapters. Uh, well, if you if you are a top level donor, which is five bucks, uh, you get all three chapters uh, for the month. Uh, if you, and I'm doing more than that, so I'm falling a little behind. But everybody is going to get the whole book. Um, my one one dollar donors get one chapter. Uh, the folks who are doing two get two, and the folks who are doing get three plus one video of me doing me writing it live, um, which
0: is, is a strange strange bonus, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so if you wanted to support this crazy woman in her fiction writing uh, obviously you can go out you can buy the longview chronicles you can buy any of the the books that she has you know fiction wise for sale but she also has her patreon page and if you are somebody who is interested in seeing you know like especially the the book in first draft before it gets published that's something you can you know go in there and watch her create and when she's done with dead man's party she will be probably sharing the next book so it's holly lyle it's l-i-s-l-e at patreon.com so i believe that that is it for today if again if you have any questions concerns or you want to reach out and talk to us find us on the forums we are there pretty much every day
1: that's it all right yes thank you and thank you thank you so much for listening uh we love talking to you we love sharing what we're coming up with and your feedback and your questions and and comments are are vastly appreciated. Yes. Yes, we we really like you guys. Thank you.
0: And now, a word from our
1: sponsor. You want to write? You love words, you love fiction, but you don't know where to start or how to middle or where to finish? I do. I'm Holly Lyle, and I've been doing this professionally since 1991. And I know how I did what I did to go pro. And I'll be happy to show you what I've learned. Start with my free three-week flash fiction class at hollyswritingclasses.com